it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 17 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, and I'm one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. Today, we're going to be joined by Coach Jordan Widener to hear about his journey as a player and coach through IW Hoops. Jordan was an All-American on our first national championship team and was on staff for this year's title as well. What impact has the Iron Third philosophy had on his growth over time? He's going to share in the first half. Late in the season, the team started to talk a lot about pursuing joy on and off the court, and you're going to be hearing that word a lot in the next several episodes. Coach Widener and Coach Tonegal will talk about joy in the first and second half, and we're going to kick off that conversation today. We're joined now by Jordan Widener. And as we said in the introduction, Jordan is really a, a picture of what we want this program to be about. How he started pursuing three and it led to great success on the court. It led him to being on staff here. But Jordan, take us back to the beginning. You signed with Indiana Westland and you came in. What was your attitude when you first came to our program? Sure. So initially when I committed, it was for two two reasons. It was a Nike school, and the colors were red, and I had a lot of shoes that would that would match. Um, so coming in, just from that description, it was it was about me and what I wanted, um, and that that was reflected in in just my life. You know, the the things I was pursuing off the court, um, on the court, it was what can I do? How can I make a play? How can I be on the film for for a good score, a good pass the next day? Um, and I think everything just just was self centered about about why why I came here originally and the way that I played and lived my first two years of school. But you were having a lot of success. So you came in and as a freshman, you were one of our leaders. I remember our first conference game on the road at Goshen. I think you had about 30 points and led us to a <laughs> win. And so you were experiencing worldly success, but you were pursuing your own interest. What was going on internally during that time? You know, it was, I'm, I'm probably one of the, I like to think the most competitive person uh, that I've ever <laughs> met. Um, so it was, if it was a win, uh, and I played well, I was fine. You know, I didn't really care about anybody else on the team or it, it was, again, just just how am I doing? Even in a loss, you know, I think to a, a St. Francis game, we got beat that year and scored a lot of points. And as competitive as I was, I was playing well. So the, the team success wasn't necessarily at the forefront as much as, as much as me and the way that I was playing was. So at some point, there started to be a shift. Talk us through when did you really start to to pursue God first and others second? You know, I think it started uh, in, a, in a microeconomics class my freshman year. Um, just kind of was sitting there and wasn't really paying attention. Uh, I was looking at shoes, go figure. <laughs> and it just felt like the Lord hit me with the two by four. It was like, man, you're a freshman. You're one of the better players on the team. You're, you're a leader of the team uh, as the youngest kid. And here you are just basically leading the guys in the, in the wrong way, leading them to, to inward and, and leading them to, to self-promotion. And I think that was kind of where it started. Um, and then after my sophomore years, kind of when I started to grasp, you know, I can be as good as I want, but if the team's not doing well, then it's ultimately going to lead to just a lot of turmoil within myself and, and with some of the relationships with the guys on the team. 
And what was so amazing to watch as a coach in your development, your sophomore year, you're named an All-American, which is very rare as a sophomore. And it was even after all of that success when, when you said, hey, I've given my life to God, but I'm still pursuing myself first. And I'd probably say at that time, God was first, but basketball was also first. And there was this conflict within you of how, where does basketball fall when I love the game so much, but I also love God? At some point, you had to surrender that. Talk us through what that looked like. Sure. So I think similar to what you said, it was there's God and then there's basketball. And I'll pursue God when I'm not pursuing basketball or when I come into the gym to shoot at night. That's about me. But then in the morning when I wake up, I can I can do my devotion time. And um, it, it kind of clicked when I just realized that basketball is just a form of worship. You know, I can't sing or dance or play an instrument, but man, I can play the game of basketball and I can think the game of basketball. And for me, realizing that that is worship for me kind of just changed the way that, that I lived and changed the way that I ultimately played and viewed the game. I remember several times during that season coming into the gym late at night, you and DJ Bettinger, who <laughs> DJ was always on the gun. He was yep. always shooting. There's a reason he was the most feared shooter in the country. And worship music was on in the gym blaring, and you guys were just getting shots up. <laughs> and there really was this sense that you guys were worshiping, doing the thing you loved. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly right. And DJ was huge and just – Again, the way that I viewed it and played the game, just following his lead and his example by something as simple as putting worship music on. You know, it just, you're ultimately consumed by the things you're around. And if you're in the gym with a man pursuing the Lord and you have worship music going, it's easy to kind of change that perspective and transform the way you view the game. We call this podcast The Pursuit because I Am Third is not a destination. We don't get to a point and all of a sudden we fully understand the I Am Third life. No, none of us are perfect and none of us in our program claim to be perfect, but we're pursuing three. So talk us through that because you have this realization and you're growing and you're moving toward the I Am Third life. But even in your senior years, we go in the national tournament, there, there's these things you're struggling with. So maybe you can talk us through the national tournament and how it was a picture of what it really looks like to worship on the court. Sure. So I remember after the, the first game, um, I guess going into it, my mindset was just so much self-inflicted pressure of, man, this is my last chance. We've never got past the Elite Eight before. Um, so kind of just was putting a lot of weight on myself. And I think that that was probably one of the worst games ever played in the tournament, like seven points, seven turnovers. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just talked to me after the game and just reminded me of our, our motto of fearless and our, our pillar of the program now that is fearless. And um, that, that was huge for me to hear at the time. And fast forward two games to the Elite Eight. Uh, we, we were going into that game. We'd never got past that point in the program. And my roommate was actually DJ, and he was sick all night. Um, he, he, I don't even know if he slept. He was in the bathroom the, the whole night, and I couldn't sleep either just with it being such a huge point um, in my season, in my career, and even the program. And I was like, man, I've checked my Twitter, I've checked my Instagram, Facebooks, everything all, everything's been checked, nothing's new on there. So we had got these Bibles from Canicuck. I was just, just praying and said, Lord, I'm going to open this and whatever I come to, I'm just going to read till I fall asleep. And I ended up opening up to Psalm 18. Um, I encourage all, all the listeners to, to just imagine yourself before the biggest game, or your, if you're a businessman, your big, biggest meeting or, or whatever it may be. And it was just this passage about overcoming the enemy and the Lord being your refuge and Man, I, I almost got lightheaded reading it because it was like, man, this is the Lord speaking to me about this upcoming game and to take refuge in Him and um, He'll basically overcome the enemy for you when when you're pursuing Him first and foremost. I remember when you came and shared that with the team that morning because there was 
this sense that fear was overwhelming you. That first game, you're dribbling the ball off your foot. <laughs> we have clips of you throwing the ball to like the eighth row. It's like Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith Newman had challenged us going into the tournament. He was a, a former executive vice president here. He had said, there's this concept that he lives by, no Bible, no breakfast. Before we can eat and feed ourselves physically, we first should feed ourselves spiritually and we were going through every morning and saying, what do you guys eat in the Word? And it's become part of our program. Well, you got up that day and you just had this excitement. And you shared what God had laid on your heart through Psalm 18. And then you went out that night and you played the best game of your life, probably the best game we'd ever seen. You had 35 points and 12 assists. And in eight years at that point, we'd never had a player score 35 points or a player get 12 assists. Mm-hmm. It was almost an out-of-body experience because you weren't thinking of yourself and you weren't living under that pressure. So what was it like to just fully play and joy and worship that night? Yeah, I think, again, kind of the point I made earlier was just realizing that I'd been given a gift. And when I can go out and and play and perform in that gift, that's the way that I can worship. You know, I mentioned earlier, I can't sing or dance or play an instrument. um, But man, basketball is something I'm passionate about. and, And at the time, I could do really well. Um, so I think it, it not only applies to basketball, but can apply to all walks of life, whether you're a doctor, a businessman, a teacher, whatever it may be, there's something that we're all gifted in and something we're all really good at. And, and when we can go out and do that, not for ourselves, but for the Lord, that, that's how we can worship. So let's transition to the point of the season we're in as your first year as a coach. We go to the, the conference tournament. We're playing well. But Coach Tonnell comes to the team and say, guys, we got to start pursuing joy. And joy was this concept that we'll be talking about in the, the upcoming episodes. We really lived into that word, and it came to life in a new way. What did you see from the guys on the team that can relate to what you're talking about with worship in basketball? Sure. I, you know, I think one of the, the purest moments that a believer can experience is when they're in just full worship. And they're honestly, you know, it feels it's a feeling of being overcome with joy. Um, and I think that is almost what our guys were experiencing. The last quarter of the season was almost like just a spiritual high for the team. And I think when the guys were on the court, that's what it was. It was it was this feeling of I'm not going to play for myself. I'm just going to go out and find ways to pour into the team and ultimately worship. And I think the joy that came from that was evident in our relationships off the court and even just the, the way that our guys played. Um, I think you could see our guys smiling and laughing on the court, and it wasn't anything that had to do with arrogance or being cocky. It was our guys just genuinely were enjoying the time that they had together and that and that way that they were all worshiping as 13 different guys. Take us then on the court. We win the conference tournament. And in the conference championship game, we played maybe one of the best games we've had in our program's history, playing against probably the best uh, opponent in the nation in St. Mm-hmm. Francis and everything just came together and there's sometimes these games that happen where everything clicks and it all goes right how would you connect the pursuit of joy with what happened on the court that night you know I think it's almost if you think if I think back to the way that things have played out uh, at least in my life or the people that I look up to in their life you know when they're pursuing something other than themselves when they're pursuing the Lord and a walk with him things just happen to fall into place. And I think that's a testament to what happened um, to our guys. You've heard on previous episodes about prayer times and um, guys praying over their teammates and over lockers. And I think those are types of things that that build up over time and 
ultimately when it, when it comes together and there's a group of guys collectively pursuing something so much bigger than themselves or even this team that there's a point where, where everything just starts clicking and everything just starts falling into place and I think that's a form of the Lord providing now granted we were winning games but I think he was providing us joy for throughout the, the ups and downs of the season constantly pursuing him last thing Jordan I, I know there's probably listeners right now who are wondering how can they get to this point of worship and joy in whatever their field is and they're they're probably sitting saying that it sounds great but I don't know how to get there and I, I think even back to when you were playing professional basketball and, and you shared with me multiple times how you weren't surrounded by people who were pushing you towards the right things and you weren't in community who was pursuing God first and others second Maybe share a, a little bit inside that and what you've learned about the, the power of community and being around a group of people who are all going in the same direction. Yeah, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier about you eventually you're going to be what you're what you're surrounded by. And I think if, if you're not surrounded by by the right people, kind of like I was in, in Canada and it was man, it was it was hard to play the game and enjoy it because it was a lot of guys looking to, to fulfill their stats or to, to get to the next level. And I think that can be the same in, in any field or any any walk of life. If you're not around people that are pushing you to be better um, and you're not around a community that, that ultimately wants to pursue something bigger than themselves, it's, it's not going to be enjoyable. It's not going to be fulfilling. It's ultimately going to be hard to reach your potential due to the fact that you know, people are people are ultimately pursuing themselves. Um, it's it's really hard to be the best version of you, and all you care about is yourself. So I think um, that for me was was a huge lesson to learn throughout the course of playing, and and ultimately now as I go into to coaching or to being a husband, whatever it may be, I think ultimately you have to be surrounded by the a right a group of people that is that is willing to get outside themselves and push you to be better and push collectively the group to be better. I think listeners get a sense why your story is one that's so powerful in our program because what you've articulated in the last 13 minutes is during some of the times when you were experiencing the most success, so you come to college and you're an All-American or you go and you're playing professional basketball, one of your dreams your entire life, in those moments when you weren't fully surrendered to the I Am Third Life, those were some of the greatest moments of dissatisfaction and lack of fulfillment. Then as soon as you surrender and you start pursuing God first and others second, all of a sudden you find joy and worship in new ways. And Coach Tano is going to come on in the second half and he's going to share some more about Jordan's journey, but also about what it was like as a coach to find joy during the biggest part of the season. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. 
back for the second half with Coach Tonigal. Coach, we just heard from Jordan Widener, and I just love listening to him because I think of where he was eight years ago when he came into the program. Maybe you could reflect a little bit on his growth and how he's a he's a great example of what can happen through basketball at Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah, jo- Jordan's a story of, I guess, why you coach. And he's every time you hear him talk about it, it's one of those coaching paychecks that uh, makes you realize how blessed you are to have the job you have. But he came in here and, and wasn't walking with the Lord at all. In fact, he was worshiping basketball, as he's told us over and over. And slowly God began to get a hold of his heart. And eventually Jordan decided, you know what, he, he was going to flip the, the script of his life. And he was, instead of living for himself and, and for other people's approval, he was, he was going to turn to God. And he did that and he started to grow. And, and, and ultimately, as, as he described, he gets to a place where basketball becomes worship. And what an amazing place to get to. What, what a place that we all want to get to where we no longer worship the things of this world, but instead we worship God and he uses us and allows us to use our gifts and abilities to worship him. I mean, he's a place that I know I want to get to professionally and a lot of other athletes want to get to as they play. And you got to give him credit for the way he gr- the way he has grown. And I, you know, Jordan talked a little bit about joy. He's the guy that lives that out, living with him now as he lives uh, with my family, he's preparing for marriage. Every area of his life is infused with joy. What about his growth here and the way that he's pursued God first and others second do you think has led to joy in his life? Well, there's something about when we reorient our lives in a God-first manner, we're, we're connecting to the source of our lives, right? So as, as Christians, we believe God has created us. Well, inside of us, he has created a capacity for himself. And the only way to fill this desire for, for happiness in our lives is to fill it with him. And Jordan's that example. Jordan started spending time in the Word. Jordan started uh, becoming a man of prayer. And consequently, he was filling his life with the things that actually made him happy. And I think as, as we try to reorient our lives away from a me-first life and onto a God-first, we fill our lives with joy. Let's talk about this word because it's something that grew and developed as the season went along, especially in the postseason as Jordan started to talk about where did it come from and how did it grow? So it's it's interesting. As we, as we look back, we're beginning to identify each and every season um, with not only with, with what God has done, but, but kind of through the narrative of a one word. So one word is, has been able to describe some of the ways in which he's moved on our team. Well, it became joy late in the year. We started out in the pursuit of hunger, habits, and humility, and ultimately that led us to joy. But it was late in the season. We were kind of turning the corner, and we knew as a staff we needed something different. We had kind of stalled, and so we were just asking the question, what's next? What's going what's gonna to get this team going? I mean, every coach goes through that where they say, what is, what's the spark that this team needs? And so we turned to prayer, and we were having a lot of dialogue, and actually, as crazy as it sounds, one night my wife and I were praying, and she prayed that the team would have joy. And when she said it, it just it just struck a chord with me. And I stayed up thinking about that, and I even woke up in the middle of the night and just could not get that thought off my head. Well, I woke up, I wake up the next morning, and I'm like, "Nah, it can't be joy." I mean, that that can't be a word for a basketball team, and it just didn't sit with me uh, very well. But as I prayed. The Lord kept bringing me back to that. In fact, he gave me some specific scripture. So, you know, I took it to the team, and like always, I said, fellas, I don't have any answers for this. Maybe as a team we can begin to search this out. It goes back to that Proverbs 25 where we read that uh, it's the glory of God to conceal things, but it's the 
the glory of kings to search them out. So there's something in this journey of seeking and searching the Lord where, you know, we become changed and, and we grow. And there's a, there's a, I guess, a trophy to be had during that process. So we did as a team and, and we had no idea what it meant at the time. Every day we grew in that concept until ultimately we found ourselves in the national championship game just talking about joy. What's fun to think about is how it really did apply to different lives in very specific ways. I think of Trevor Waite, what he learned about joy was 100% different than what you learned about joy, but all of it was very meaningful. How would you encourage leaders in different contexts? You, you talk about how you hear from the Lord about a specific word, and then you just really create a context for players and coaches on the team to start pursuing that and studying scripture and praying through that. Where, if, if a leader wanted to do this, where would they even begin and how would they get to this one word? Well, I'll, I'll admit, there's no formula for this, um, but I sure think there are, there are dispositions. I think you could, we can position ourselves to hear the Lord, right? If I, if I position myself in his word and I spend time in prayer and I'm living in Christian community, the byproduct is I'm going to hear him more clearly. And I think as a leader, if I come to understand my purpose is to empower others and to to position others to hear from the Lord, then I'm constantly not only hearing the Lord for myself, but but for other people. And I think our staff does a tremendous job of that. As we meet every day, um, we're just praying for our guys and we're asking God for those words. And, and even including as a coaching staff to, to be able to fast. I mean, I think if you can say no to food, you can say no to anything in this world. And what you're saying no to is is yourself and you're saying yes to God. And so we've just tried to position ourselves to hear him and and we can't manipulate him and we can't turn it on and off. But we do believe he's always speaking. And the closer we get, the more time we spend with him, I think the more we hear his voice. We're going to be hearing more about joy from other players in upcoming episodes, but you won't get to speak on it uh, after we hear all those things. So I'd just be curious now, before we get to the end of the season with the players, what did you learn about joy in the process? Oh, man, that's that's a uh, that's a great question. For me, I found it interesting as, as we started digging into the Word, I, I remember hearing that scripture that, that spoke that uh, Jesus went to the cross for the joy that sat before him. And I, it, I just couldn't get over the fact that he was about to endure one of the most painful deaths that, that mankind has ever known and, and the suffering that was involved, but yet what motivated him was joy. And so I started looking at my own life and, and asked, does joy motivate me? And, and, if I was, and if I'm really honest, often I'm not motivated by joy. I'm motivated by wanting to be better than somebody or I'm motivated by success. But Jesus was motivated by joy. And, and that's a God-first orientation. And so it really challenged me. Am I going to go into this offseason, this national championship, and what's going to motivate me? Is it going to be, is it going to be a God first? Is it going to be about helping my players hear the Lord? And and as I jumped on board and others jumped on board, I'll, I'll be honest, it was probably one of the most exciting two weeks of my life being a part of that. Let me ask you one final question, Coach. There was this sense almost that joy shouldn't be what we pursue. It's almost you feel guilty going on a basketball court and pursuing joy because it's supposed to be about hard work or toughness or those type of things. And joy just seems almost soft. Why do we react this way against a word when there's just so much positive that comes when that's what you're pursuing? It's a great question. And I, I know for me, it's, it's societal expectations that if I'm going to be a man, I'm going to be tough. I'm going to prove my wor worth. I'm going to work hard. And trust me, those things are important. But at the end of the day, God's created me to be happy in him. So I think that joy is when my life is in him and it's directed towards the benefit of other people, 
naturally I'm happy and I'm filled up. And it, it, we've talked about this before. There's that, there's that strange feeling of I'm satisfied in Christ, but yet I want more. Whereas the world, I'm unsatisfied and I want more. And it's a continual search that leads to nowhere. But when we anchor our lives within Him, it's an unbelievable feeling that just leads to deeper joy. Next time, we're going to be joined by Evan Maxwell and Joel. They're going to take you inside the team's run in the national tournament, sharing insight to what was happening both on and off the court. I guess for me, it was a little bit different because the night prior, like he had opened up to me and um, telling me what was going on. And I specifically played or prayed that he would play with freedom. Um, So to see him just go out and play freely and um, just give his all and not, not play with any fear at all, it just felt so good. Coach T will join in the second half to talk about why I Am Third seems to come to life in a new way in the national tournament. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, Hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWooHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.